happening in the world right now, and there's actually a lot of things happening in the United States, especially lately. I mean, yeah, we, we know about the shootings, and, and, and we also know about the racial tensions that it seems like, I feel like it's the worst it's ever been in a long time for some reason. You know, instead of getting better, I feel like it's getting worse, and lots of conflicts around the world. Um, you know, is it the beginning of the new Cold War? And, and, you know, it's just a lot of things happening. And I just saw news, uh, the t- two Korea, South Korea, North Korea, they were, they were having meetings trying to, and everybody was hopeful. And then just last night, they said they just, you know, kind of separated without agreeing to the next meeting because they just flat out refused to agree to, to meet again. And it just seems like conflicts everywhere. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, conflicts that I remember vividly that I, I, I was not a part of personally, but I was there for that was if you grew up in L.A., especially in the 1990s, I think you would remember uh, the 1992 L.A. riots. Does, does anybody remember that? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it goes down in the history as, as one of the worst city riots ever, actually. Uh, I think it goes up in the top ten list of, of riots and, uh, viol- in terms of damage and violence and casualties and things like that. And uh, I remember I was in high school. Just gave away my age, but okay. I was in high school, and you know, from I went to school in Glendale. I grew up in Glendale, and uh, from certain parts, because Glendale is higher than LA, you could actually see the smoke from uh, the K Town area, downtown uh, area, uh, where all the riots were happening. I mean, that's how bad it was. And I remember friends and family members who were affected by the riot, and and, and just you know, a lot of things were going on. It, it was just. It was kind of insane. It was hard to understand what was really happening. And you remember why it started, right? Do you remember why it started? There was a verdict, right? And uh, because of, of who? Do you remember the name of the, the guy at the center? Rodney King, right? Rodney King was beaten by a bunch of uh, uh, police officers, right? And, uh, and uh, it was somebody caught it on tape, and it was all over the place. And, and what happened was the, the, they were acquitted, and, you know, some people were not happy with it, right? A lot of people were not happy with it, uh, with the verdict. And then it, it just started uh, this huge riot, right? And uh, I'm not going to get into, you know, all the specifics and details um, of, and, and, you know, about the person of Rodney King and, and what exactly happened that day, events that actually led up to that, con- that, that alterca- you know, altercation or the conflict. But... What happened was riot was happening, it was getting crazy, and then who came on TV? Do you remember? Finally, they had Rodney King come up on TV, and he said one phrase that was quoted so much. It was actually misquoted for a long time, but uh, what, what, did, what is it that he said? I'm sure you guys all remember. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> I heard something different. <laughs> Can we all get along, right? Can we all get along? Can we all? Did you watch something else? <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, whatever you said, that was a lot longer than what I was expecting. Okay, um, the famous quote is, "Can we all get along? Uh, can we all get along?" And he actually got emotional. I remember uh, watching that, and uh, and he was the person at the center of all of this, and he's the one who came out uh, and. And he said, can we, seeing all of this happening, and I can imagine, even for him, kind of seeing everything happening because of what happened, you know, with him. Um, it's, it's just the pressure and, and, and all of that was going on. But, but seeing all of this happening, he said, 
Can we all get along? Can we all get along? My question to you and to the society and to our nation is, have we answered his question? (laughs) Have we answered his question? Have we been able to address? Have we been able to satisfy his request? It's a very simple request. Nothing too complicated. You know, um, he didn't ask for something, you know, uh, just for himself, his own selfish you know, gain or anything like that. But he asked, can we all get along? And the question this morning still is, are we getting along, right? Are we? Apparently not. Apparently not. And like I said uh, when I started, it seems like some of these tensions have been, it's, it seems like it's worse than it was before right now. You know, and there are many reasons why this is happening. But bottom line is, they're, they're, it's just not happening. We're not getting along. Uh, and, and, and the fact that we are able to recognize something is wrong, the fact that we're able to look at what's going on in the world, in our society, and say, can we get along? Can we all just get along? You know, that there is a sense of brokenness, you know, and, and we recognize, and the, the, just the fact that we're able to say, something is broken, something is not right. Why aren't we getting along? means that there, we have a sense, we have an understanding, we have an inkling of something is, that's better than this, right? We're not looking at it and we're saying, this is how it's supposed to be. We're not looking at all the violence and all the conflict and the problems and all the brokenness in the world and saying, oh, this is exactly it's how it's supposed to be. Yay. We're not saying that everybody has a sense that something is wrong wherever that sense comes from. Right? We can get into the whole thing with that, but wherever that comes from, we all understand that something is amiss, something is broken, because you know for certain that this isn't right, and there is something else that is righter. There is something that's better than this, right? And I'm talking about society and, and the uh, politics between nations and all these things, but really the brokenness and the, 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 the plea, the request, can we get along? You know, it's not just about between races. It's not just about between uh, nations, right? How many times have I thought in my marriage, can we just get along? You know, how many times have I thought with my kids, looking at my kids, you know, the, the three of them, and can you just get along? Why is it so difficult? You know, how many times have I thought people in the church that are bickering or that have issues or that have just hurts and all these things, why can't you just get along? You know, church split, right? I mean, it's not a, a perfect place. You know, can we just get along? And so we're not just talking about brokenness and, and lack of peace in, 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 in the grandest, you know, Miss Universe or whatever, whenever they ask these questions to them, they're like, what do you want? You know, oh, I want world peace, you know. Um, we're not just talking about peace at the world level, but, but, but we realize that in my personal life, I'm dealing with brokenness. In my own family life, I have issues with broken peace in my relationship with my neighbors in my friendship with my even my friends close friends you know distant relatives whatever it may be even people that i call spiritual brothers and sisters people here i i deal with brokenness it's not just about peace for the world so it's a very personal issue for us and we as we are going through the season of advent we've been talking about four uh, we said we're going to talk about four different themes. And we've talked about love. We've talked about joy. And today we're going to be talking about peace. 
We've been talking about peace, and you, re- you have to recognize that peace is a problem for us. Because as long as we've been around, there hasn't been peace. You know, and, and, and so with uh, Advent and with looking forward to celebrating the birth of Christ, Christ coming to us, what does that mean for peace in the world? What does that mean for this problem that we live with? Not just at the national level, not just at the societal level, but very personal level. What does Christ bring to this brokenness? And so with that, we want to look at one short verse. This is not a long passage, um, but I want to look at just one very short verse, and it's going to remind you of Rodney King when I read it. And it comes from uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, 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 verse 18. I'm sorry. um, Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Okay, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you you have come to us. We thank you that you uh, have given yourself to us uh, uh, to really bring healing and and, and restoration, reconciliation, and, and, and to bring us back to the, the, the arms of the Father. And, and thank you for making that possible. And so this morning, we want to understand uh, what it means to have peace of Christ in our life and, and how that uh, it gets applied to, to our everyday life. And so this morning, as we look into your word, I pray that you will not only challenge us and convict us, but at the same time, Encourage us, Lord. Help us to know that we have access to this peace, Lord. So open up our hearts, Lord, and as your Holy Spirit moves through this place, God, may it help us to be open and and willing and obedient and completely surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, so with all of everything that, you know, that I just shared with you, keep that in mind, and let's just go right into the text here. Chapter 12, verse 18, it says, I mean, did that just remind you of Rodney King or what? Because he says, if it's possible, if it's possible, if you can help it, can you just get along with everyone? Right? That's what he's saying. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. First of all, I love, I love Apostle Paul because he wasn't so idealistic. Okay, because I don't consider myself an idealist, and I'm not apologetic about that. You know, people call me, you're so pessimistic. No, I'm a realist with hope, okay? Um, and, and uh, I, you know, I love how Apostle Paul says, if it is possible. Because that, that's freeing. That takes the pressure off of me, you know, that, that what am I shooting for here? What am I getting at here? What am I trying to accomplish? What am I trying to live out in my life? You know, and, and a lot of times we have these standards uh, that we think are from God, but, you know, they're not. And, and he knows that we're falling, we ha- we're broken, that it's, it's, not, it's not possible for us to do all of these things. And that's why Christ had to come, right? Because we need somebody who was perfect to save the imperfect, which are us. And he says, if it is possible, if it is possible. I love, he says, if it is possible. So the one thing we need to get straight here before, as we continue is the kind of perfect peace that Bible you know, talks about or we think uh, you know, we have an idea of, an understanding, kind of an inkling of, 
you know, it shouldn't be like this, but there should be that, you know, it should be better, it, it should be perfect, and that, that, that peace that the Bible is talking about, you know, that, 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 that state where everybody in the world, it doesn't matter who you are, it, it's obvious to everybody, that, that presence of peace, you know, that, that will not be possible until Christ returns. It, it's just not, it, it just won't happen Okay? Uh, we may get glimpses of it. We may, we may have moments in our life where we see uh, moments of that and glimpses of, of how God works that peace in our lives. Uh, but, but to have it globally, everybody, nobody is exempt from it. You know, that, that's, that's just not going to happen until Christ returns and, and, and you know, creates the new earth and new heavens and, 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 and redeems all of creation. You know, but it's just not possible right now. Uh, but because we have that hope, okay, we are to uh, be able to live in the light of that hope. Of one day, it will be realized. Um, and so again, it's not a pessimistic uh, view uh, that that Paul is ha- Paul Paul has here. He's not saying, okay, it's not going to happen, but try your best. That's not what he's saying here. If it is possible, it is possible. That there, there, there are moments, there, there are times in our life where we, we can live in light of this, okay? But, but it's not going to be, it's going to be almost impossible for the entire world, all of us, everybody to live in harmony with this peace until Christ comes. So, so it's not a pessimistic view, uh, but it's also not idealism either, which is unrealistically aiming for perfection, you know? And, and, and so I, 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 I look at the world the way it is right now, and I see that this is the world as it is right now because it's a broken world. I look at, you know, uh, uh, families. I look at church. I look at the way people interact with each other in businesses, at work, and school, and all these things, and I see that, you know, it's broken. The racial tension we're talking about, you know, it's, it's broken. I look at, you know, some of you who keep up with the news. Yesterday, the big news was what in Paris? What happened? They they finally agreed on a climate deal, 195 nations. Can you imagine getting 190, almost all the countries in the world, 195 nations actually agreed uh, to uh, this new, these new measures of, of, of um, you know, bringing down carbon emission. And, and, and Obama came on and said, this is our, our best hope at saving the planet. You know? And uh, regardless of where you stand on the climate issue, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing to, to be able to get 195 nations to sign the same piece of paper. I mean, that, that's unbelievable, right? And, and, and I look, look around, but, uh, you know, and, and why do we have that? Because climate is broken. The, the environment is broken. The environment is broken. I mean, who can deny that? You, you can say all you want about climate change, whether you doubt it or whether you embrace it, but can you disagree that the environment is broken, right? Um, and so I see this, and I, and I accept it. I, this is, we're living in a broken world, but, but that's not the end. That's not the ultimate. That's not the goal. That's not where it stays because I have the hope one day that God will redeem all of his creation, and the Bible says all creation is longing and waiting, and they can't wait for this, right? So I have that hope. And so I'm choosing to live in the present broken reality with the hope of the future right now. So this is a perspective with hope. And I'm going to talk more about this next Sunday when we're talking about hope. But you know that Christians are people who are driven by hope. We're people of hope. You are people of hope. 
And because of this hope, we don't give up on the world we live on now. Because of this hope, we don't give up on the families we have now. Because of this hope, we don't give up on the church. Because of this hope, we don't give up on present reality. Because it's not meaningless. All creation, after all, God created it. And he will redeem it. He will restore it. And he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Again, very realistic expectations of Apostle Paul. As far as it depends on you, as long as it's within your powers, as long as you can help it, live at peace with everyone. Just a couple of things I thought about when I was reflecting on this. And, you know, I I don't know if I've shared this before, but, you know, I started... some of you know that I love babies. I love, I really do. Um, they don't all love me all the time, but I, I really like babies right up until they're about two, okay? <laughs> that's, that's the, my favorite age, and it's, you know, one of, one of the reasons is because they can't talk back. You know, they can't talk back. They, they're not fully able to, you know, argue with me. And, you know, and, and, and so I started arguing with my kids as soon as they start turning two, you know. And so, um, and, and it's totally my fault, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm crazy. But uh, I remember, you know, arguing with my oldest when she was two, like literally two years old, and just about some silly thing, but I just couldn't understand why she couldn't, understand what I was talking about, that she was wrong and I was right, you know, and, and that's how it is. When they're two, they can't possibly be right. I'm, I'm right. <laughs> and, and, I'm, you know, and, and I argue with all my kids, you know, and, and, uh, and Grace will remind me occasionally, because um, I'm crazy, and, and she'll tell me, you realize that you're like 40 years older than they are, right? I mean, I mean not 40, now I'm, you know, but you're like, I don't know how many, whatever, like 30 years older than they are. You realize that, that, you know, they're not, you are like here and they're here. Why are you arguing as if you're arguing with your friend? And, and I'm like, because you're wrong. They need to be righted, you know? And, uh, um, and, and you know, you think about that and, and you say, okay, yeah, age. That's, but as, as they say, age is nothing but a number. The real problem there is a matter of perspective. We just don't have the same perspective. Two-year-old has a two-year-old's perspective, and as far as they're concerned, they're right, absolutely right, right? And as far as I am concerned, even though it is the objective truth, you know, I am absolutely right. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, we're fighting because of difference in perspective, even though I'm right, okay? And, uh, and, and we have a conflict because I expect her, I expect them, my kids, to have the same perspective that I have when it's impossible for them to have that perspective. They cannot have the same perspective as I do. I have, I have higher, high degree, you know, I have advanced degree, you know, I went to college, I went to, I went to, I, I have a high school diploma, you know, they don't, they didn't have that, you know, they can't, I have life experiences, you know, I have different, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm talking to them and expecting responses from them as if they have the same background, same education, same, you know, experiences that I've had, and when they don't give it to me, I get upset, Right? I expect them to behave according to my standard. But they're not operating on their same standard, are they? Right? And so Apostle Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So I think about Christians that get upset about things. Between Christians, 
Among, in the church, I think it's a little different, okay? And actually, we're going to look at this, but he's not just talking about among Christians right now. He's talking about dealing with non-Christians, actually, all right? Um, when we get treated a certain way, when Christians uh, inter, uh, um, face, encounter certain injustice against them, you know, we get upset, uh, we get indignant. Why aren't you behaving this way? Because it's a different standard that the world lives in. We don't have the same standards. It should be expected. It should be expected. And the pressure is actually on us here. Because it says, as far as it depends on you, it is dependent on you. Because you now have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, what he has done for the world. And, and this is not in the way, 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 way it's kind of condescending because you know better than they do. Because this is where we get into a lot of problems when we're talking with non-Christians as well, when we're talking with people who have different views. And, all right, fine, I'll let you have this one because, well, you don't, you know, I know better, I'll let you have this one. No, that's not what we're talking about. You look at Jesus Christ when he was hanging on the cross and, and there were people nailing him to the cross and hurling insults and, and horrible things to him, I mean, killing him. And, and what, he, as he looked down on them, you know, I mean, man, seriously, if I were Jesus, I would have been like, God, you know, lightning everywhere and just, just wipe them all out, you know, all of this stuff. But what, what did he say? What did he say about them, the people that were killing him, nailing him, insulting him, and, and, and doing all these hor- horrific things to him? He said what? Forgive them for they do not know what they do, right? And this isn't, uh, and, and you can also twist it and say, oh, yeah, well, there's a condescending thing again. What, what do you mean they don't know what they, you know? No, Christ, when he said this, it was out of compassion. It was out of mercy. It was out of understanding that their people are broken, that they don't, and he felt compassion on them. We see all these occasion after occasion in the Bible where Jesus, it says that Jesus had compassion on them. Jesus had amazing mercy on them, and his, 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 his insight was turning because he had compassion on the people. And so, if I'm in a, in a fight with my kids, most likely it's actually my fault. <laughs> if I, we're not getting along, it's, it's more than likely, 99.9% of the time, it's my fault. Because they're not there where, where I am. So I need, to, I need to interact with them in love, and I need, to, I need to show compassion. I need to show mercy. I need to show generosity, understanding. I need to be more loving. And the thing is, if you look at this verse in its context, it's actually pretty amazing. Um, it says from verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. This is the verse right before our main verse today. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. So somebody hits you, don't do the same thing back to them. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it is dependent, depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, you know what? This is really tough. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay 
okay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And it's, I mean, we're not going to get into that, but uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's so, I realize I'm in an Asian, predominantly Asian church, or just Asian church, um, um, uh, who, who, who I grew up on watching kung fu movies, and every kung fu movie, the main theme is what? Revenge! You know, you killed my father, and now I kill you and everybody else, right? Okay, and so where it says, do not take revenge, wow, that's just... That's almost like universally held, you know, drive that, you know, you do something to me, okay, or you do something to my family, you come against my family, what do you think you do, you know, you know, this is, this, and then, but the Bible says, no, do not repay evil for evil, do not take revenge, pay evil with good, pay back evil with good, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This morning, she's sitting here, actually, my third. I've been making them watch uh, Star Wars um, because Seven is coming out. And I know some of you, uh, yeah, well, Ke- Kevin, I know he did that. And uh, I was like, I got to do this. And uh, I want them to watch all six before Seven comes out because otherwise it's, gonna make, it's not going to make sense. And we're trying to figure out different ways to watch it. And the best way, apparently, is uh, I think another member, Ryan, told me. So that's what we went, decided to go with. Watch four or five and then go back. One, two. Just, just, just work through it. I know it's not as good as four or five. Work through it. And then three, and then go back to six, and then watch seven. That's the best way to kind of get up to speed. And, and uh, my youngest, actually, she's been really getting into it, you know. Um, and I realized episode three is the only one that's rated PG-13, um, but it's okay, you know. I'll, you know. Um, but they haven't watched that yet, but that's the most violent one out of all of them. Um, but um, on, our, on our drive to church, you know, she asked me, um, does, does, does Anakin become evil? You know, because uh, they're not there yet. They only watch up to two, right? Um, but they know that he is also Darth Vader. Don't shoot me if you don't know this by now then. Okay, I'm not giving away any. Please, okay? Um, my oldest gets, like, indignant. She gets enraged if I ever give away anything about uh, movies. But, uh, you know, so they know that Anakin is Darth Vader eventually, but, you know, because we're in 4, 5, and then 1, 2, but they haven't seen how he becomes evil yet. And, oh, yeah, she asked them, um, how does Anakin become evil? Right? That's a... If you think about it, that's a really deep question, right? Because Anakin started out as such an innocent boy with a pod ra- as a pod racer. I mean, how adorable is he, right? I mean, you know, and then just, and, and as he grows up, and, and, and she asks, how does he become evil? And I was like, how do I answer to this? You know, and what I said was, I don't think she understood, but I said, because he, ga- she, you know, uh, he gave into his dark thoughts, you know, she's seven. I don't think she understands. But, you know, um, but as, as things were happening in his life, he, he was overcome by evil. I don't know how else to describe it. I'm just taking the verse right out of the scripture here, you know, and uh, do not be overcome by evil. Anakin was overcome by evil. He was overcome by evil, and, and he ends up becoming the agent of evil, Right? I mean, he becomes the ultimate, and, uh, and apparently they think they, 
Darth Vader might resurrect in seven. That's one of the conspiracy theories, but okay. Well, I don't know why I'm going into all of this right now. I'm so excited for Star Wars 7. <laughs> okay, um, but you see the, the fall of, oh, but with the, let me just mention one more thing. I just, the, the crazy thing I heard was actually the Luke Skywalker apparently is the, the, the in episode seven, they think he's going to be the, am I giving away stuff? Okay, all right. So, hey, now you guys all want to see it, right? Um, but uh, but um, the whole whole theory about how actually Luke Skywalker is is the evil one, and he's the one trained to be. Uh, he's like the jihadist um, um, archetype. I, you see in his life how he becomes uh, radicalized through his Jedi training, and Empire is actually the, the the good guys, and the rebels are actually. Have you ever heard that one before? That's a new one, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. They're insane, okay? But, but I was like, wow, in light of what's happening, oh, they, they kind of break it down. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm sorry about all of this about Star Wars. But how does uh, Anakin become Darth Vader? He's overcome by evil. He's overcome by evil. Our instinct is to get revenge. And in fact, that it is how it all starts for Anakin, right? Okay, his, his, his mom is just horrifically tortured and killed and and he just goes nuts. Um, and, and it says, do not take revenge. Um, and he says what? It is mine to avenge. God is the ultimate judge. And, and the, 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 we have a problem with broken peace because we put ourselves in the seat of the judge and we say, there is no peace because there's no justice and, and I will make it right. According to my sense of justice, this is not right. Whereas God comes in and says, no, you too are broken. You too have a broken sense and understanding of justice. And he says, I will avenge. That is the only justice that needs to happen that will make things right. You will only screw things up more. And it says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. I will repay, says the Lord. And so, you know, looking at the, the context of Romans, you know, he's talking about people who are killing Christians here. He's talking about persecution here. And, he, and, and, and you know, of course, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were a group of people in, in, in the early church that were like kind of the resist the, the rebels, you know, and, and they're like, you know, are we just going to sit here and take this, you know? You know? Our God is stronger than this. Are we just going to let ourselves get killed and eaten up by lions and all these things, you know? But to them, he's saying, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And like I said, it's not just about persecution or at the national level, right? In our personal friendships, relationships, somebody does, and you're like, oh, I'm going to, you know, with two fingers. You know, it's, it's, that's our, our, our instinct. It's natural tendency. It's like, hit you, oh, boom, you hit right back, you know. And, uh, and that's just how, how a lot of people are. And, and he says, don't, don't. Overcome evil with good because it is mine to avenge. So my kids will one day know that I was right when she was two, you know, that I was right, that we weren't, you know. What I said was indeed the objective truth at that time. But it is not mine, my job to convince her when she was two and she didn't understand all of that. And how is this even possible? Now, I'm going to bring it to Christmas. What is the motivation? Why, why do we even do this? Because you, you go back a few more verses to the beginning of chapter 12. How does all of these instructions get started? 
Therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in light of what God has done for you, in light of the fact that Christ has come to you, in light of the fact that he's the one who has uh, not only built, he has become the bridge for us to be reconnected to our God, the creator, in light of the fact that he has died on the cross for your sins, in light of the fact of all that he has done for you, love one another. In light of the fact that you have received this mercy, received this love, acceptance, and peace from God, be at peace with one another, even with your enemies. And I said, and, and I'll close with this, you know, I said that um, it's, yeah, we're not going to see global, worldwide uh, uh, manifestation of uh, this type of peace until he returns, until all creation is restored, redeemed. Um, um, but we have glimpses and moments of, of just, wow, I think that's, man, that, that is wonderful. You know, we have these moments. And one of my favorite stories, one of my uh, seriously all-time favorite stories is, is it comes from almost 100 years ago, literally. Uh, 1914, it was during the World War One. you know, and... Uh, uh, it, it really is one of my favorite stories. And uh, World War I, I don't know if you know this, it, it was the one of the most horrific uh, uh, warfares ever in the history of civilization because that was right at, at the moment, you know, uh, the, the weapons were getting modernized, you know. And, and so uh, it, 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 people, the armies were kind of transitioning, having to transition into kind of the horses to guns and you know it was just it, it was crazy and as the weapons were getting modernized uh, the casualties were like never before they had seen and, and and the conditions were horrific and and some of you have, might have read this all quiet on the western front that book you know it's, it's a classic right I mean that book really messed me up for like a month after I read it um, but it, you know it was horrible and, and one of the things that came out of during this warfare was what is called the trench warfare you guys familiar with that it's basically dig you know you dig and, and uh, into the ground and all these kind of maze like structures and you're in there and you just kind of come up and start shooting and and that that's when it began right and the uh, thing with trench warfare is, is that uh you, in in between uh you have this no man's land right and then and on either side there's the german side there's the british or the allied side and the german side and the uh, uh, it, it once you get into trenches that's it like there it doesn't move it, it just it just goes on and on days weeks months years no advances no nothing just casualties just piling up it's just horrible horrible conditions uh, through summer through winter it, it, they're just there and they just from the from behind they just keep supplying more troops and people are just dying that's it so they call it the meat grinder that's what it is you know it's just horrible and 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 and, and you know, a lot of things led to this war, and, and both sides are obviously just killing each other. And in 1914, what happened was on the Christmas Eve, right? And, and some trenches are, are so close that, like, like, you know, you could actually talk to each other by shouting. So they would, like, insult each other and things like that, you know. In 1914, this is the first winter since the war broke out. And, and Christmas Eve, uh, there is a moment of kind of, like, quietness, you know, and... Uh, and from the British side, they, they begin to hear something from the German side. And then they're like, what is this? What is this? And he's singing. And like, what is this? And they're singing Silent Night. So, so all of a sudden, British soldiers begin to hear Silent Night. Or maybe it wasn't German. I don't know. You know, but they begin to hear this singing coming 
cross and they bruise, they're kind of caught off guard. They're like, what is this? What do we do? What do we do? And you know what they did? They started to sing with them, right? So you Germans, German soldiers started to sing this, and then British soldiers, you know what, let's sing along. And they start silent, holy, they start singing, and they're singing together all of a sudden. You know, and there's no fire. First time, there's, there's no, just singing. I mean, you, you have bodies everywhere, and all of a sudden, you just hear the chorus of silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright. And, and German soldiers, British soldiers, they're singing, Okay, and it doesn't end there. What happens after? It's quiet. Nobody knows what to do. Because trench warfare is, as soon as you peek your head out, you, you get shot, you get sniped. That's it, you know? Not from the Allies' side. From the German side, one single German soldier bravely, courageously, actually comes up out of the trenches and begins waving at the British soldiers. And British soldiers, they don't shoot. They come up. One by one, they come out. They come, they shake hands. They actually end up playing a game of football together. <laughs> This is in the middle of World War I in the, in the Western Front. They exchange cigarettes. They, uh, there's a story of one, uh, one of the uh, officers exchanging buttons because he loves collecting buttons and medals and things like that. So he went up to a German uh, officer and said, yeah, and then they actually exchanged buttons. Unbelievable story. They start talking about each other's families. Of course, the higher-ups don't like this because fraternizing with the enemy, that's treason. That's, that's capital punishment, you know. Um, So, so eventually, even uh, I think one of the British officers, you know, you guys, this is what you think you should be doing, you know, because this goes into Christmas Day, because everyone's like, well, that was Christmas Eve, what's ha what happens tomorrow? Christmas Day, you know, everyone is like playing football, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable what's happening here, right? Um, and then Brit one of the British uh, officers actually shoots a German soldier in the head, and then, you know, it's... Uh, I don't know if that's what, that single incident is what caused it to go back, but, you know, you, you hear that, and it's amazing. It's, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to get my, you know, mind wrapped around that. And right after that, they had to go back to shooting at the guy that you just played football with. They just talked about your family with. They just exchanged cigarettes with. They just, whatever, I mean, you know, Um, but for that night, Christmas Eve, and I, you know, when I talk about glimpses of peace in the world in light of, it, despite brokenness in the world, at the, at the peak of human brokenness in the, in the Western Front, in the most horrific conditions possible, silent night, holy night, singing about the birth of Jesus Christ brings the Allies and the Germans together. You know, How is this Paul's command or instructions, uh, how, is, how, how do we have, have hope of carrying this out? It's because we, as Christians, we know what Christ has done for us. 
that we, we, we too are broken, that I'm not perfect. I don't look at the world and I don't think I'm better than them. But because I know I'm broken, because I am, they are broken like me, I am broken like them, I, I'm, not, I'm not any better. I can't judge them. And so I can only go with them as Christ came to me and as Christ is extending his arms to them. We have access to peace through Jesus Christ. And because of this access, we can, as far as it is dependent on us, we can live at peace with others.